Let's do it. You've got questions. We've got answers. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown, your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks so much for joining us today on The Line of Fire. Michael Brown, delighted to be with you as we always do on Friday. You've got questions, we've got answers. 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-348-7884. Any subject under the sun, as long as it relates to any of the content we cover on The Line of Fire or any area of expertise I have whatsoever, any subject under the sun, friend or foe can call 866-34-TRUTH. My latest article is up on our website, AskDrBrown.org, and up on the stream, stream.org. We talk about a very unfortunate executive order by incoming President Joe Biden. His first day in office signed an executive order, 17 of them. We focus on one of them, uh, which could affect your kids in school. It's negative. It's wrong. It never should have happened. And it's one of the reasons that I could not vote for Joe Biden policies like this. We pray for him. We pray for Kamala Harris. They are not the Antichrist and the Antichristists. We pray for them, but we will expose agenda that is wrong. So check out that article and share it with your friends. Okay, with that, we go straight to the phones, starting with Sylvia in New Brownfells, Texas. Welcome to the line of fire. Hi, God bless you, sir. Hey, God bless. Uh, Yes, sir. I just want to say thank you for all that you do. You are voice of sanity, and we need it right now. And also, I pray that God bless you and your family through, I have read what they have said to you, and uh, you have the fruit of spirit, and I'm thankful for you. Well, thanks, Sylvia. And let me just say this one thing. You know, I I would rather not need to be a voice of sanity because everything was so sane around us. But the more insane things get— and the craziness of the world and even the church, it's so necessary. And, and you know what, what hurts me, Sylvia? Uh, do you have kids? Yes, sir. Yeah, so, I have four. Yeah, four kids. So if, you're, if one of your kids is having a bad day and they react to you a certain way and, and don't speak to you rightly as, as mother, okay, it bothers you, but your concern as a mom is like, what's wrong with my kid? What's, something's not right there. What's going on? Why are you acting like that? So when I see people lashing out, when I'm saying, hey, Joe Biden is the president. There was never going to be a military coup. Uh, the, the military was not on the way to arrest Biden and Pence. It's, it's all a myth. Donald Trump is not about to replace him. The prophecies guaranteeing his inauguration, they were false. So let's move on in faith. Let's be people of faith. The, Jesus is still Lord. We're going to survive this presidency like we survived the Trump presidency and the Obama presidency, etc. Let's move forward. So when I'm getting attacked for saying that, especially the people who said, wait till the 20th, then talk to us. So now we talk to them and they're furious and how dare you and who gives you the right to say, yeah, it's a lot of junk that hits me. But my concern is what's going on in their hearts? Why are they so deceived? Why do they love deception? Why are they clinging to this? All those who say they weren't looking to Trump in that idolatrous way, why are they clinging with their last breath to the hope that that he'll be restored as president? So I'm concerned about what's out there, as I'm sure you are too. So thanks for the kind words, and let, let's pray 
that sanity would rise in, in the whole body. Anyway, your question, please. Yes, sir. And I, I do agree with what you're saying. I have uh, for a very long time. Um, last year, I brought that to the ladies in my prayer group where I go to church, that we cannot have idols. So I, keep, I keep hearing it. We cannot have an idol. We need to pray for him and for his heart, for the president's heart, and not to get in the way of what God wants to do with him. Mm. And I that I felt that if he does not get elected, I think it has a lot to do with the Christian community. Mm-hmm. We are a part of that, too, of what yes. we're seeing right now. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree and, with you. And so my, uh, today, for the first time, I was told that I, by a well-known prophet, his whole family prophetic, that if I prayed for Biden, that I believed everything he did, and I was part of that satanic, you know, as he is. And I was surprised that I was told that, and I told I told him, I said, you're my little brother because you're younger than me. I'm 56. I love you with a mother's heart, but that's not of God. Yeah, that, I'm not cursing that, you at all. I'm not, no nasty word. You know, we're in new covenant. We're supposed to pray for our enemy. I'm not saying he's my enemy. But the Word of God says we pray for each other, and again, he told me I was wrong. I didn't answer him back. Yeah, well, that, that is a blindness, immaturity, and the fact that he was correcting you uh, needs loving rebuke. You could not be further from the truth in, in saying that. I addressed this on Sunday night in our live stream. If folks haven't watched it, it's on our Facebook page and our YouTube page. I, I addressed this. I put up timed for noon on Wednesday, Inauguration Day, First mm-hmm. Timothy 2, 1 through 4, right? I put that up where Paul is saying, pray for rulers, those in authority. Pray that they will, they will be saved, come to the knowledge of the truth, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness, right? Posted that and then said, based on that, let us pray. I use those very words for President Joe Biden. And in the first chapter of First Timothy, Paul talks about his own life, and how God had mercy on him as a blasphemer and one who persecuted the people of God to, to show an example of how God can have mercy on the worst of sinners. Christ Jesus came to save sinners of whom I am the worst, talking about his past life, right? Yes. I put that up there, and many people said amen, but many others savaged me for, oh, so you support abortion? Oh, so you're evil? So I'm not going to pray for him. That's like praying for the devil. I'm thinking, what, what has become of I, I've been so ashamed to say that that. These are my brothers and sisters. This is our family. So ashamed for Jesus to say, these are the ones representing you here. Of course we pray for those that we differ with. It doesn't mean that we don't oppose wrong agenda. It doesn't mean that we don't stand for what's right. But of course we pray. People prayed for me when when I was known as as drug bear and Iron Man because of my drug use. The first service I attended in August of 1971, young lady in the congregation then wrote down in her diary, Antichrist comes to church. That's how, that was my reputation for wickedness. God had mercy on me, God had mercy on Paul, God had mercy on my friend Yesu Padam, the, the most apostolic man I know on the planet, planted over 7,000 churches in tribal regions, been stoned for his faith, incredible work with orphanages and multiple nations and extraordinary man. I don't know anybody like him on the planet in terms of God working through a human vessel. He was an atheist, communist, alcoholic terrorist when Jesus appeared to him and saved him. And we're not supposed to pray for Joe Biden. I mean, it is madness. We are not saying, oh, God, enforce their agenda. 
when Joe Biden signs a radical pro-transgender activist agenda, strengthen that. No, we're saying God save him, bring him to the knowledge of the truth, bring him to repentance, open his heart, open his mind. The same with Kamala Harris. The very prayers that were prayed for people like Nero, who are a whole lot worse than, than Joe Biden or Donald Trump. It's, mm-hmm. it's mind-boggling. I, I, I don't know what's happened. When I told people, hey, if you prophesied falsely that Trump would be reelected, you need to be accountable for it and move on. Let's get restoration and wholeness and move on. I'm now told I'm a baby killer. It's like, what, are you, what kind of madness is this? And, and, you know, the other thing, Sylvia, is all the people who are getting all exercised about this, and you support the killing of babies. Like, no, I recognize Joe Biden as the president, and I will work against his pro-abortion agenda. I'll ask them, hey, tell me where the abortion clinics are in your city. Where are they? And tell me how active you've been in the pro-life movement for years. People aren't even doing anything. So may the Lord have mercy. And Sylvia, your gracious demeanor and your motherly heart is, is what we need in the body today because this is it's very grievous. It's, it's very, very grievous. I, I feel God's grief over this. And, and I've been telling Nancy constantly, I just said, Lord, I don't want to react in the flesh. I, I, I don't want to react with, with my frustration I want to step back, pray, and, and have your heart and try to share heart, your heart with others. Hey, thank you for, for the call. I really appreciate it. Uh, let's go to uh, Sims in McAllen, Texas. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Good evening. Good afternoon, Dr. Brown. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Good, good, good. I have a question concerning Daniel uh, chapter 1, verses 17 through 18, and I... Uh, I don't have it up in front of me right now because I am uh, out and about. But the long short of the question is this. Uh, when we read the passage, is there any justification for assuming or uh, thinking that that Daniel and the three Hebrew boys... Okay, I just lost you there. So problem number one... The knowledge of the Babylonians. But... um that they okay. also would have uh, practiced the denovation. Um, I, my answer is no, and I looked at every other sort of commentary that I had in my logos, and I've got quite a few, but I, I, I'm wondering, because uh, the argument was made that, um, you know, they didn't just sort of gain head knowledge of it, but they, they were actually doing it, and Scripture in Deuteronomy says that that's one of the reasons why the yeah. nations were being cast out. So that was my question. Yeah, Sim, so I, uh, you didn't mean 17 and 18, uh, because there are only 12 uh, verses in the book, so you meant a few verses earlier. Right, so, so the question you were asking, you cut out for a second, but the question you were asking was, because they were schooled in all the Babylonian literature and arts and things like that, would that then mean that like other Babylonians, polytheists, and practicing different forms of divination, you know, you'd read body parts of sacrificed animals and things like that, organs, and, and, and divine by that, you know, based on what you saw. So here, here's the thing. It's, it's plainly a, a, an argument about silence. In other words, it is possible that in that environment, they would have been expected to do that because it was part of the culture. On the flip side... There's not a syllable that says they did do it. So how can we argue either way? Well, what we can do is see that elsewhere in Daniel, for example, in the third chapter or in the sixth chapter, where there was a command 
to disobey God in the third chapter to bow down to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar or in the sixth chapter not to not to pray to to any other god only to to honor the the uh the king so Daniel disobeys and is thrown in the lion's den the three Hebrew young men disobey and are thrown in the fiery furnace and both preserved by God that would indicate to you that they did not conform when it meant disobedience to God so your argument could be supported by saying when we do have examples of being called to compromise, they refused to compromise. So could they have functioned in, in wisdom and literature and understood all this and been in an idolatrous setting? I mean, they were given idolatrous names, names having to do with other gods and things like that. But without being defiled themselves, yes, your argument could be supported, not explicitly, but implicitly, by their actions in the third chapter or Daniel's in the sixth chapter. Thanks for the call. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Hey, friends, just a reminder, make sure you sign up for my emails. Real important announcements. If I'm about to do an important live stream, kind of unexpected, we'll let you know. Uh, Every week you'll get a list. Here are all the articles we put out, and only about five new articles a week, bunches of new videos. You'll get an email for that. So if you miss anything, there it is in one email. Special resource offers my new book on Christian anti-Semitism, a real shocker, real eye-opener. We're about to put out our special pre-order for signed uh, numbered edition. So uh, you can you'll find out about that on Monday if you're getting our email. So go to my website, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org, and sign up to receive them. All right, we go to uh, Andrew somewhere in Maryland. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hello, Dr. Brown. Hey. Actually, it's in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Okay, great. Yeah, Gaithersburg, where I used to right. have my ministry offices. Yeah. All right. First off, yeah, and also happy Sanctity of Human Life Day today. Yeah, there would have been the, the March uh, March for Life, but it's been virtual this year. Right. And also, what I, and I, and what I'm also calling about is that I got a response from a quote-unquote Christian friend saying that Christians would do better to feel more about abortion and think less of it. And I really don't know how to respond. But the best way to ask him is to be, what makes you think that? Yeah, Andrew, the, the question you want to ask your friend is, is, is that a human life in the womb? You know, Jesus talks about the least of these and caring for the least of these, and that can be applied in different ways beyond the the immediate context in Matthew 25. But, you know, I would just say, hey, let's look at pictures of aborted babies, or let's watch the movie Unplanned. How do you think God feels about that? How should we feel about that? And ask him, hey, how would you feel if, if all of the children under one year old in your neighborhood were rounded up and someone was going to try to kill them. Well, you do whatever in your, your, in, you could in your power to stop them. So I understand the life within the womb is, is, not, uh, is not yet out of the womb. I understand there's a difference there and legally in other ways. But 
if if you agree that that is a human life, an innocent human life, that's something precious in God's sight. And no, we can't make it our whole focus. And ultimately, we have to change hearts and lives. But one thing that's helped the pro-life movement is is 4D ultrasounds. That a, a, a large percentage of women who actually look at an ultrasound before deciding to have an abortion decide against it. There are whole ministries and organizations that what they do is they just have a truck in front of an abortion clinic and say, hey, would you like to get an ultrasound before you go into the clinic? Just That's it. Would you like to get an ultrasound? Yeah, it's free. Yeah, sure. And many do. And when they see that, I, I'm about to kill. No, I'm not having an abortion. And they say, okay, how can we help you? Why did you want to have the abortion? How can we help? Are there financial needs? What's going on with you? Are you married? Or what? How can we help? And then they're there to minister. So keep pointing to the humanity of the child in the womb. And, and you see, when the least of these gets dehumanized, then it leads to further dehumanizing in the entire culture. Hey, thank you for the call. I mean, others who are vulnerable become next uh, on, on the list. All right, let's, uh, let us go to Jeanette in Durham, North Carolina. Thank you for the line of fire. <laughs> Thank oh, hi, Dr. Wait, wait, hang Brown. On, hang on. I, I said it by. wrong. Thank you for... I know. I'm I, I not going to hold new, long. I, I love got, your show. I look forward to Friday to listen to you. I go by Brown Sugar Jeanette. <laughs> because Brown Sugar I'm Jeanette. I'm so with Joe. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Well, you, know you, what happened? you know what happened, Brown Sugar, from Dr. Brown? I We, we have a change on our screen here, and until we adjust it, a lot of letters are obscured. So I was looking to try to see what was on my screen. And instead of saying, thank you for calling the line of fire, I said, thank you for the line of fire. So you can say that, but I can't say that. So Brown Sugar Jeanette, <laughs> over to you. Let's let's have a little joy in life. Bring us some joy in life here. I am. I'm, I'm trying. I wanted to say thank you for what you shared on January the 7th. I couldn't call you at that time. I was, I wept. And I, I just, just started to just go in the word and just pray for this nation and, and I just, we just enjoy you here in good old Durham, Raleigh, Chapel Hill area. You you come on the, the Truth Network at a awesome time, I think. And I, I, mainly that's all I wanted to say. You just are just awesome and, and what you share. And um, I just agree that what you had shared in regards to after the uh, inauguration that uh, – it should come. They should come forth. Those that are have done what they did with the false prophets and all that. But to me, I just see it as just a way of God showing His people that the uh, you know. And I think you made a comment about, or I listen to a lot of people sometimes, but I so forgive me. But they're not false prophets. You, I love how you brought that down, and I really want to get that book, and I'm going to order it. Uh, I forgot the name of the title, but I know you shared that just because they shared wrong does not make them a prophet. If, if yeah, 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 basically say, saying this, Jeanette, that if someone is a true believer, right, but they falsely claim to be a prophet, so they are falsely claiming to be a prophet, or let's say this person has a prophetic calling, but they speak falsely, and they recognize it and humble themselves, well, they're not a false prophet, they prophesied falsely, so someone may falsely call themselves a prophet, or they may prophesy falsely, but in the New Testament, Jesus says a false prophet is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Okay. Just like a false okay. apostle, it's like Satan appears like an angel of light. So 
A false apostle is a servant of Satan claiming to be an apostle. A false teacher is someone bringing damnable heresies into the body. But if someone is a teacher of the word and makes a mistake, that doesn't make them a false teacher. If someone is, is called to prophetic ministry but, but speaks out of their heart one day, it doesn't make them a false prophet. I, it's amazing. There are people furious with me. I, I mean, angry, post after post, screaming at me. You, you must call them false prophets. I'm, I'm just being scriptural. I will call out the false prophecies and say many of these people who claim to be prophets are not at all. But if the person is a brother or sister, I won't call them a false apostle or a false teacher or a false prophet. Hey, stay right there, Jeanette. I want to send you a free copy of my book, Playing With Holy Fire, a wake-up call to the Pentecostal Charismatic Church. So that's a book where I deal with unaccountable prophecy. You're probably referring to that, Playing With Holy Fire. So Rachel is going to get your uh, contact info. And yeah, we've been on this station in Durham the Truth Network for over 12 years. Uh, Stu Epperson Jr. and Truth Network are the ones that asked me to get on the air. So they are the pioneers, and we've been with many of you for over 12 years. So, Jeanette, stay right there. I want to send you a free copy of Playing with Holy Fire. All right, uh, let us go to our friend Todd in Seagrove, North Carolina. Welcome to the broadcast. Uh, thank you, Dr. Brown. I have a short lead-up to my question. Um, a few days ago, I was... Uh, uh, doing a search on the Simple Radio app, and I put in a search for radio stations in Israel, and one of the stations I came across was Yeshua Messianic Radio in Jerusalem, and I caught just a very little bit of uh, the broadcast, and the teacher was talking about the fast that was going on in chapter 27 of Acts, and he, and he was saying, it was his view, that the fast wasn't a uh, normal type of fast where you're you're praying and interceding and so forth. He was saying that it had to do with Yom Kippur, and I wanted to bring that up to you to see if you had ever heard that interpretation of yeah. that fast being that way. Yeah, when 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 it references the fast, that's what it's talking about. That that would have been the way it was understood and known. So yeah, that would be a a normal interpretation that when the fast is referenced, or we want to get to a particular place before the fast. Yeah, it's, it's speaking of Yom Kippur, which would have been the day of, of, of universal fasting in the Jewish community in the ancient world, except for the most non-observant. Yeah, so that's, that's correct. And uh, by the way, I uh, always appreciate your, your questions, Todd. By the way, a friend sent me a link the other day, and there's a website that tells you on, on iTunes podcasts where you're, where you're uh, podcast is in terms of ratings, and I'd, I'd never seen that or was aware of it. And so what I didn't realize is that all these different people all around the world are downloading podcasting. I, I, I knew it. I guess I didn't realize you'd be appearing on other charts in other countries. So when my friend sent it to me, his podcast under the subject Christianity was the number one iTunes download in Israel, and ours, Line of Fire, was number two. So they put it in the category of Christianity. Ours was number two, but we've been number one. So I, I didn't know that. What a blessing to know that we've got that many folks within Israel uh, listening to the broadcast. And thank God for every other voice that's getting the message out there. 866-34-TRUTH. All right, I've got a minute before the break, so I'm not going to take a call now, but just looking at the board. Okay, wonderful. Uh, glad to see all the calls here. So we'll get to, we get to as many 
as we possibly can. But I, I, I want to encourage you, if you're charismatic, Pentecostal, if you believe in the gifts and power of the Spirit, I, I want to encourage you to remember that the Bible alone is the Word of God. Nothing else touches that. Nothing else is on that plane. Nothing else is in that class. Nothing else is given to us for, for life, for doctrine, for foundations. So if, if the Lord stirred my heart and I said to one of you, hey, I, I, I just see uh, uh, you're about to get an invitation from Madison, Wisconsin to, to take on a job there in a new factory running it, and God wants you to go there. When that call comes, don't think it's odd. He's in it. Pray about it. And then it comes to pass. That doesn't make that word the Bible. That doesn't make the, the word. It was something the Lord was saying to you on an individual basis to help and confirm and etc. and to give you more to pray about. It's not the Bible. It's not the word of God. There is one and one only the word of God. That's the Bible. We'll be right back. God of light, hear our cry. It's The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, friends, to The Line of Fire. <laughs> Welcome to my world. I, can I just be a little honest here? It, sometimes it's frustrating when you lay out a position, when you clarify things ten times over. For example, if you say, I love math, I love math, I love math, I love math, I love math. And then someone says, why do you hate math so much? So I put out an article today in all seriousness, drawing attention to the radical transgender activist agenda of President Biden. One of the reasons that I didn't vote for him and voted for Donald Trump. Laid this out, clearly been warning about this for some time, all right? And I'm just... Glancing, I know we don't get to look at a lot of comments, but just had a second. I was curious to see if the, I, I was looking for this very thing. And someone says, I don't get you, Dr. Brown. You lambasted us for supporting President Trump, telling us how great Biden was. Now you're telling us to hate him. What, what world are people living in? What? I, I mean, how can you make things any more clear? And, and then, and then, like sometimes I'll start an article by saying, just so you know where I've stood. I don't believe this. I don't believe this. I don't believe this. I don't believe this. I do believe this. I do believe this. I do believe this. So please understand that as you read the article, right? And then people say, why do you have to make it about you? <laughs> because the moment I take the other position, you're going to falsely accuse me of, so I'm trying to lay out, this is what I do believe. You, you know, I got blasted by someone the other day and I said, well, what about all the other articles I've written about this very subject for months and months and months? Because I said, how come you never address this? He goes, well, I don't know what you've written. <laughs> oh, Father, we need your help. We really need your help. Your people are hurting. Boy, oh, and how, how can you help when you speak the truth in love? Do your best to do it with clarity, with honesty, with forthrightness. And people don't want to hear it. You know, uh, my younger colleague, Jeremiah Johnson, has just been in a state of shock about what's happening in the so-called prophetic movement as he repented for wrongly prophesying Trump's re-election. And he knew many weeks in advance Trump would not be re-elected, but waited for the right time to release his letter of apology. 
as a result of that, he's had tens of thousands of, of emails, hostile, death threats, crazy stuff. We, you know, we talk regularly. And, and now he's getting blasted for repenting. You don't repent. Even if, it didn't, even if you're wrong, you don't repent. And he said it's, it's a kind of a perverse application of Jeremiah 5 where the prophets prophesy falsely and the people love it that way. As much as I smile and, and, I, and I try to, to be gracious and calm about things, I, I've had enough time in tears before God for the state of the body. Not for getting attacked. I, I, getting attacked is like waking up in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Like you have your breakfast in the morning, I get attacked. That's, that's normal life. But when it's from so many people who are supposed to be brothers and sisters and, and our, our tongues have become like sharp, sharp knives, and we forgot the mercy God's had on us and, and the way he's called us to act and live. My, oh, my. We really, well, we need revival. That's, if you ever wanted proof that we need revival, welcome to the Church of America in the year 2021. All right, uh, we go to Greg in Cary, North Carolina. Thanks for calling the line of fire. Hey, Dr. Brown, I, just a real quick encouragement. I wanted to say that you, um, when you started speaking on Trump, Trump as far as, uh, you know, putting him down to earth where he was not, because he, I feel like a, people, a lot of people do idolize him, and um, and I think they have a blind rage. Well, that's why I think they, that you have to keep repeating yourself to them, because they're just in like a blind rage of some type, and um, it helped me a lot, because I, I was I was kind of getting caught up with the Trump, Trump Trumpism, you know, and, and and I'm not saying he's a bad guy. He did a lot of good stuff, but I mean, I just—he's a man. He's not God. He's not anybody we have to worship and stuff. But I just wanted to encourage you and say a word of encouragement. And you, you're not doing anything wrong. You're doing everything right. And I just—and but the question I have is that uh, talking about the East Wind, um, I was curious if there—if um, you knew of any correlation with the the East Wind with um, being. Uh, with the end times as far as, like, because I think it seems to, when they talk about the East Wind in the Old Testament, it seems to be mentioning it's not a very good thing type of thing. Like, it's, it's the, yeah, the yeah, foreshadowing. Yeah, Greg, first, thanks for the words of encouragement. And listen, there's only one way to go, and that's forward in obedience to God. So, again, what discourages me and, and what's really been paining me is not that I'm getting slammed, but that brothers and sisters are so deceived and so misled. And, you know, the whole thing about looking to Trump in an idolatrous way, well, if you didn't, then you move on. Your, your whole hope was not clinging to his presidency. He wasn't the only man that could change this. And, and look, I said all along he did a lot of good, but there's a lot of collateral damage. And it may take a generation to sort out if overall— for the America, if Trump did more good than harm or more harm than good, that's, that's going to take time to sort out. Right now, I would say as far as the church and, and where this has left us and what's revealed in our heart, I would say more harm than good, unfortunately. But as far as East Wind, uh, just understand that in biblical culture and geography, right? So you, you, you live in Israel. And east wind is going to be coming from the, the desert that is, is to the east. Uh, to the west would be the Mediterranean Sea. So just like maybe in certain countries you have sandstorms, right? Or, or you have other things like that that blow in and it's dangerous. That's all. There, there's no special end time significance. It's just a bad weather pattern for that part of the world. Just like maybe in Louisiana, 
you're more hurricane prone or in this part of Oklahoma, you're more tornado prone or so this, the east wind could bring damage, destruction, negative stuff with it. And it may occur in certain judgment contexts, but there's nothing beyond that uh, to read into it. Greg, very much appreciate the call and the kind words. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Miami, Florida. Aramis, welcome to the line of fire. How you doing, Dr. Brown? Well, blessed, blessed, but with a heavy heart these days because of the state of the body. But very blessed and thrilled to have the privilege of being on the air to talk to folks like you. So thanks for the call. I know. I know exactly how you feel. Um, I'm the guy that called you like a year ago about the no Donald Trump from Miami, Florida, that worked for him. Remember? You know, I, I, I remember a lot of calls, but I don't remember that specifically. I apologize. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I have, I'm trying to uh, uh, write a book, and and like I forgot to tell the lady, like like uh, let me see, like um, like three days ago, I have a dream with you about we were in the church, and you gave me a book. The name is Hypergrade. Mm-hmm. So there were you were sitting in the table behind the table. There were we were stack of $20 bill, a, a, a high stack of $20 bill, and you give me that book. And I, a long time ago, I write a book a long time ago, but the book, the problem is it's in Spanish, not in English. So my daughter lives close to you in North Carolina, and I gave her, but she, she told me I'm going to translate it for you. But a whole year passed, and she never did it. So I don't know what I'm going to do. If you can help me. Uh, write the book or, or, or somebody can help me. I don't know. Yeah, Aramis, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I wish I could be of, of more specific help in, in this regard. Uh, you know, lots of people reach out to us with questions about publishing or input on manuscripts, and, and we're, we're unable to, to help in that regard. But I would just, I would go to the Lord if I were you. I would say, Lord, if this is really from you, then then put it in, in her heart, uh your daughter's heart or someone else's heart to to do the translation into English and and to open doors to get it out. What I would do in the meantime, though, is if you have a social media page or a website or a blog or anything like that, I would start to put out for your Spanish-speaking friends, I'm sure you have many of them, little parts of the book. Like, hey, I, I wrote this, and I want to share a few lines from this chapter. See if it interests people. If an interest grows and people really start to like it, then you think, hey, maybe there's something to it. And then maybe someone will say to you, yeah, I, I pray this larger prayer. Lord, if you want this out in English, I'll put things out in Spanish. Let someone come to me, say this needs to be translated and get behind it. That's, that's how I would pray to, to make sure that God's pushing it and not me. Thank you very much for the call. 866-34-TRUTH. We go to, no, we don't. All right, let's go to Jesus in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Oh, how you doing, Dr. Brown? Doing well. I'm glad to. Uh, I'm glad that I got through. Uh, I had a. I had a simple question. Um, what do you What do you make of Ken Clement? I. I mean, I. I. I was hopeful with the second uh, term of Trump, not because I heard all these other prophets, but mainly because 
it sounded like he was so accurate. Um, the things that he said in that 2014, I think it was, no, 2007 um, video. I think it goes back that far. I don't remember exactly now, but yeah, so so, so accurate. Like here, here, here's here's the thing. Uh, I didn't know Kim personally. Uh, some of my colleagues that that knew him uh, spoke very well of him, but I didn't know him personally. I've never been in, in a meeting of his, never listened to a sermon of his. The only things I've heard are these select excerpts of prophecies here and there. And uh, someone, uh, uh, a friend of mine, was going through the prophecies very carefully the other day, listening to one after another, because I think there were maybe a few different ones. And it's really hard to follow exactly what's being said, which is not uncommon, you know, with prophetic words, a lot of times they don't become clear until after they come to pass. But I, I, uh, I do not know that he clearly prophesied that Trump would have a second consecutive term. I mean, there was a lot about the Trump prophecy that seemed like amazing and accurate, but then he was described as a man of few words, like, well, that's not accurate. And other things right. were not so, as it two different people, sometimes things get merged. Remember, prophecies for this first and second coming are sometimes merged together. And this is about Jesus and his biblical prophecy. And he dies and rises and his disciples still don't get it that it's in the Bible until he points it out. It's like, oh, we didn't see that. So it's, my impression is that God did work through Kim Clement and a few others to draw our attention to the possibility of Donald Trump being someone that we might consider voting for, because most of us never would have thought of voting for someone like that with who he was and his background and, and all of that. And it was used in that regard, but everything else was perhaps ambiguous or perhaps conditional based on his repentance or us not looking at him in an idolatrous way. That can all be discussed and debated. But it did seem that there were things accurate in it and other things we'd have to have a question mark. Either way, it's not the Bible. Either way, it's not the Bible. We prophesy in part at best. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us on The Line of Fire, 866-34-TRUTH. All right, let us go over to uh, Jason in Columbus, Ohio. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hi, Dr. Brown. Good to speak again. Um, uh, my old buddy Jason. Haven't heard from you in years. Right, yeah, it's been, it's been a couple of years. Um, yeah, so my question, first of all, I just wanted to throw this out there with all the Zoom culture and stuff. Would you be interested in maybe at some point doing one of you, you know, an old-fashioned debate with, maybe me, um, on maybe the, the usual at some point? Possibly. You know, we get constant okay. requests. The key thing is we have to be fair. In other words, right. whoever I'm debating has to have some recognition in their community or credentials. Otherwise, it does right. no... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so that's the key it's thing. Fine. But, but in, in terms of the concept of it, you know, I'm, I'm always... I love doing debates. Sure. But anyhow, yeah, sure. go ahead. Okay, so we'll go into my question. So Zechariah chapter 8, mm -hmm. um, it's concerning this. So I wanted to go into detail about kind of things that we agree about to start off with. So we both agree, I would imagine, that Zechariah chapter 8 has not come to fulfillment yet. 
Not all of it. I mean, some of it with restoration right. after the Babylonian exile and things, but no, not all of it, for sure. Especially the, the final part where, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, the final verse, which, you know, a lot of people like to quote that say, like, so said the Lord posts in those days when ten men of those languages of the nations shall mm-hmm. take hold of a Jewish man, saying, let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. So, and this is in context with, you know, the ingathering to the, you know, Jerusalem, where the nations will go up. So, yeah, you, you would agree that this has not come to fulfillment yet. Right. We may see glimpses of it. It's you know, it's been a mm-hmm. fascinating thing as as I as a messianic Jew will travel around the world and teach how many people will specially want to gather and hear because it's a it's a, a Jewish believer bringing the message right. of God. So we kind of get like foreshadowings of it, but the the fullness of it sure. no, has not yet come to pass. Okay. Yeah. So I wanted to. So we have what we have are Jews learning from. Basically, the Jews are teaching the Gentiles about, you know, in the context of that, that the Gentiles will come to the Jews. Now, I'm going to try to demonstrate that this refers to rabbinic Jews specifically. So I would ask you about Zechariah chapter 8, verse 19, where it says, So said the Lord of hosts, the fast of the fourth, fourth month, the fast of the fifth month, the fast of the seventh month, and the fast of the tenth month shall be for the house of Judah. So referring to the Jews, we mm-hmm. agree for joy and happiness, for happy holidays, for love, truth, and peace. What group of people do you know of in the world who have kept these fasts, right? I I assume your listeners are largely not familiar with these fasts, but I'm sure you are. Um, What group of people do you know of who have kept these fasts throughout the millennia? What what would you call those, that group of people? Right, so historically it's been traditional Jews who've been the ones who almost universally have been rejected in terms of it's been the opposite of this. So the key is not being traditional Jews, but traditional Jews who are following the Messiah. When that happens, well, the people of the yeah. nations will, will come to follow them. So it all depends right. on the Messiah. Because in well, other words, here's... doing this through the centuries has just gotten Jews kicked out of countries and rejected. And right now, the most religious Jews in Israel or the ones largely despised by the population as hypocrites and driving many people away from God. I mean, many times when we try to talk to Israelis about God, because they have such hostility towards God because of traditional Jews, there's a barrier. So being a traditional Jew doesn't do anything in terms of getting people to God, but Jews who are rightly connected with the Messiah, it does. And I, and I have Messianic Jewish friends that, that live by rabbinic calendar and people are coming to them mm-hmm. to learn about the one true God. So that would be your most likely fulfillment. So you see this as Messianic Jews, because I don't know Messianic Jews. There might be, like, very few who actually keep these fasts, right? Or actually, I would even think that Messianic Jews who um, follow these, you know, these fasts would rather celebrate these fasts because they believe that the Messiah has come already. But right. Well, well the, the, the bottom, right, the bottom line is, though, th- what has not happened is that they will become festivals of joy and celebration for the people of Judah. Right. Right. So when that happens, so we, we can't identify those people yet because it's not traditional Jews celebrating these as, as days of joy, etc. We're fasting. It says right, right. we're fasting. Right, right. but it's, it's, it's going to change. Itself. Right, right. So, Jason, the, the, the thing is, it's going to change, and it, it hasn't changed yet. So my, 
my best case for that, if I was to go consistently with you, and, and, and I, I do want to get to some other calls, but we'll, we'll continue the conversation, all right? We, you know, I'm happy to renew it with you, but just have to be fair to other callers, especially on a Friday where we're pretty brief. Uh, but in short, my best case scenario for that would be as more and more traditional Jews come to know the Messiah, and these days are now, we come into the, the, the full revelation of Messiah to the Jewish people, then it won't just be a, a little handful of, of, of traditional Jews who are following the Messiah, as is the case now, but many, many more, and that people will be coming to them to learn the God of Israel. So it's not being traditional Jews. That's not the thing, because you've been here all these centuries, and that has not been the way it's gone. It's when the Messiah is recognized, that's going to be the key. And I see the foretaste of that already, okay? Not by being one that's fasting on these days, but by being one that knows the Messiah. I see the foretaste of this already, and that people will come to us and say, hey, you're a Jew, tell us about God, and we can through the Messiah. But we'll, we'll continue the conversation. As always, a good question. I appreciate it. All right, 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to Dwayne in Toronto, in Canada. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Hey, hello, Dr. Brown. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Hey, hey. So uh, my question um, from what I was asking was, what is up with the state of the church overall in North America? I find that, um, you know, me coming from Toronto, Canada, and seeing a lot of the famous, quote-unquote, YouTube prophets and stuff, I just see, like, there's, there's something wrong there. You know what I'm trying to say? With the way that I view the church and, you know, with my upbringing and coming from, like, a different, a yeah. different country than America. Well, a couple, yeah, a couple of things, Dwayne. Thank God there are many fine believers in North America. I, I know them. I work with them. Many of them unknown, but loving Jesus, seeking to honor the Lord in their personal lives, in their families, in the workplace— find pastors, teachers, leaders, all through the body, and we thank God for that, and we honor that. But there is a lot that's very unhealthy. Uh, in the non-charismatic movement, there's a lot that's very unhealthy with often kind of a, a dead, overtaught Christianity without really encountering God. In the charismatic movement, there's a lot of confusion, deception, re reliance on external things rather than solid relationship with God through the Word, and prayer, and especially when it gets magnified with big platforms and things like that, the thing that encourages me is that the sickness is being revealed, and then so many evangelicals really got caught up in a Christian nationalism, in kind of a fanatical spiritual patriotism, in looking to President Trump in an unhealthy way. Uh, so, of course, many didn't vote for him, but many did get caught up with this. So it's uh, look, I have a book coming out uh, in September, Revival or We Die, and that's—we we, we need an awakening. I mean, there's a lot of sickness in the body, a lot of anger, a lot of hatred, a lot of division, uh, lack of grace, lack of honor, lack of fear of the Lord. And then if we start to dig a little deeper, God knows how many are caught up in secret sexual sin and other things like that. We, we really need God's help. It's a time for us to be on our faces crying out for mercy. Hey, thank you. For the call i appreciate it time for another call yeah let's uh let's go to jonathan in albany new york welcome to the line of fire hi dr brown uh thank you very much for taking my call you're welcome um so i have a i have a question and 
I will. It's kind of it's kind of twofold, and just for a little bit of little bit of context for where I'm coming from, I'm I'm young. Uh, I didn't. I'm 22, so I wasn't quite old enough to vote in 2016. But I did. I did oppose President Trump um, throughout the primaries, and I don't believe I would have voted for him in 2016. But uh, 2020, and looking the the choices straight in the face, I. I changed what I said I'd do for four years, and I did vote for President Trump in November. And um, I've, I've watched kind of in horror over the last few months and few weeks especially, and uh, and everything that happened on January 6th was... Um, it's hard to put into words, but uh, I, I guess out of, out of respect for this, this leader, I don't want to give him a name... Um, but there's a, a well-known Christian leader that I very much love and respect, and I recognize as a mature believer, someone who's more wise than I am. But I wanted to get your take, because he he basically said, uh, right after January 6th, he, he released a statement, and I'll try to paraphrase. And yeah, I tell you what, you got to be—just give it to me in one second, because we're almost out of time. Okay. So I guess my, my question is, um, I'm curious what your take is about the impeachment proceedings and— what got it. Yeah, so I don't want to be rude. I'm just cutting you off so I can answer. Uh, I don't believe President Trump should be impeached. The first impeachment was completely invalid. The whole Russia collusion, Ukraine, that, that was ultimately in, invalid. I, I see nothing constructive in this. Uh, he has been shamed by what's happened. His rhetoric came back and bit him. As I say, this is a Trump voter. Four years of irresponsible rhetoric came back and beat and bit him he's responsible for that i don't believe the impeachment is going to help i don't believe that finding him guilty will help move the country forward i personally see no reason for it best to say what happened was horrific lay the blame in part at his feet and move on god bless